This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. I like to call it Studio Q these days. And, of course, it's being brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. I'll tell you a lot more about them later on in the show. Been throwing out the question to you on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r What position group are you most encouraged by and what position are you most concerned about? This is obviously coming off the heels of us talking to many different assistant coaches earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So you can always hit us up at 69187, keyword r and get your feedback in. Or if you have a question for any of the guests that we have, you can hit us up again, 69187, keyword r including our next guest, which is joining us now on the phone lines, Bridget Condon from NFL Network. And I'm so excited that this actually happened. Bridget, thanks for your time. Appreciate you. This actually happened. We'll take you back to yesterday when on the air live, this is what happened. With that kind of leadership, Bridget, how much do you think you can, they can help kind of the young guys along I, and learn the NFL? I'm so sorry. So I'm the backup anchor today for our inside training, training camp live, and they just lost their uh, live shot location. So I have to go on TV right now. <laughs> Handle but, it. Um, I you know, would love to continue this conversation either after uh, 3 o'clock or tomorrow or whenever you can. Yeah, no, we will. Go do your thing. Get on TV. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to ask Bridget off top, and again, thanks so much for giving us your time this afternoon. Did you make it to TV on time? Um, <laughs> I was a little. Um, I think they ran an interview, but it's so funny. So you know, this our inside training camp live programming. The way it works is we have anchors in the field hosting from different camps every day, but then we always have someone back here in case it's thundering or something happens. And I looked at the weather yesterday. They were in, uh, I think they were in where Santa Clara Mm. It looked great. I was like, okay, we'll be good to do this radio hit. You know, we were only talking for five minutes. I hadn't gotten asked to go on all day. And then I hear them like outside of, I was in like a conference room and they're waving at me like, what are you doing? Come on, you got to get up there (laughs) because they had like, it was like a technical issue. So it wasn't the weather or anything, but that's why I literally had to like walk off and I was wearing my sweatshirt. I had to put my blazer on. (laughs) That is funny. It was fun. Live TV, live radio, all of it. (laughs) Yep, exactly. That's what I said. sorry though. No, no, no. It was good. That's that's what happens sometimes with live radio and like you said, live TV. So we roll with it and we definitely appreciate you joining us today. And again, we were talking about the fact that, you know, you and Coach Shaw were at practice on Sunday and Jimmy didn't practice, Max didn't practice, but you could still get a gist of what was going on in training camp. And, you know, funny story is I I talk to Coach Shaw all the time for the draft and me and him were talking at practice on Sunday and so I was gonna try to knock out like a three or four minute little interview with him just about what he was seeing and then all of a sudden you guys jumped on TV and I was like dang it I can't talk to him so you you let you let it be known on Monday that he's very insightful that was the first time you talked to him what did you learn from just what coach Shaw was saying what he was seeing yeah, it's just interesting, right? Like having that coach perspective and someone like myself, I've never played the game of football. So yeah, I can watch and I'm processing things and understanding things, but there's just a difference when you've played the game or you've coached the game in things that he's seeing and watching that maybe I would never catch. And he was just kind of talking about, 
you know, it was a cleanup day for them on Sunday and we didn't see guys like Max Crosby or Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I was asking him, okay, what's the importance of a day like today? And he's like, it's really, you know, this is the point in training camp where you've got to do that stuff because the players are kind of getting tired. There's like a little bit of a lull. You've been going against your teammates for so long. It's so hot out here. You know, it's like the dog days of training camp and you've got to make sure you get these things down so that you can see where this team matches up when you go against the 49ers in joint practice. So you can tell, you know, this is where we're at and this is where we need to get. So just hearing, you know, his assessment of what they were doing and maybe the normal fan there was bored at practice, right? (laughs) They didn't do anything crazy. There was no splash plays, but just the importance of a day like that and how all these little little things string along during that two week stretch that, that really matter come first preseason game yeah it felt like uh just a a Sunday afternoon right kind of a a walk in the park but just a little bit of a cleanup day nothing too exciting about what we have been seeing uh from the other days as far as training camp goes again Bridget Condon from NFL Network is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 so you talked to Max Crosby what was your impression of not what he's done so far in training camp but kind of how he feels knowing the 49ers are coming to town later this week for a joint practice I think he's fired up I think you know a lot of people I got the sense players on the Raiders team feel like they, you know, everybody's kind of counted them out, right? They've mm-hmm. had issues the past couple seasons and, you know, they were supposed to be good and, and didn't really pan out. And now you have a 49ers team coming to town where many people think this is the team to beat, right? This is the team going to the Super Bowl. So I think he's fired up. Like the the sense that I got in just talking to Max Crosby, and that was my first time actually meeting him, was that he, he's not afraid of anything. He doesn't care who you put on the other side of the ball. Like he's going to out there and do the same thing he does every single day in practice. And that is put on a show and really, you know, showcase his talent. And like he said, you know, I asked him, he had 12 and a half sacks, you know, that's a career record for him last season. But this defense, when you look at the numbers is not good. Mm-hmm. And you know, at least last season wasn't. And he said, I take that personal. And it's not just the, you know, personal, awards it's it's us as a team and I'm that defense and so every day like it's not just what I can do better it's what all my I can help my teammates see and I can you know help elevate this unit as a whole it really doesn't come down to how many sacks I get so I think he has done a really good job as that leader on that side of the ball to kind of pump up these guys and like you know his his mind and his work ethic is all those things that you want in a leader so I think he's really excited to maybe open some eyes and say, Hey, look, we're here. And, you know, I'm still on this team. Yeah. Chandler maybe had a down year last year, but I mean, you're thinking about, you're talking about Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, two years ago, before last season, we were like, damn, like that is, I would not want to be the quarterback throwing, you know, to Max Crosby and Chandler Jones coming in my face. And then we haven't even talked about Tyree Wilson who I think will be good to go come the season. Like, I I really think this Raiders defense is going to be a lot better than what people think. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, I've seen the defense create turnovers, be disruptive. Max got a bunch of would-be sacks in training camp. Obviously, they're not hitting the quarterback. But you see them turning the corner, and I think Raider Nation is excited to hear that, but also cautiously optimistic, right? Because it's training camp. They're going up against their own guys. But with the addition of Chandler Jones being a veteran, and, and obviously he was there last year, but Marcus Peters, Marcus Epps, guys, 
guys that have done it. You know, Antonio Pierce is the linebackers coach. It feels like they have a chance and they have leaders and vets on all levels that can help the young guys come along. This defense could sneak up on some people and be good. Yeah, and you mentioned Marcus Peters. I know you were there Monday when Josh McDaniel spoke, and I think we're maybe forgetting the impact that they have in signing him. What was that just over two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Josh McDaniels is familiar with him. He coached against him a number of times. And for him to say, we got to get this guy on our team and him to speak so highly saying he has that great spirit about him. He's a football player through and through. And, you know, he's willing to share that knowledge that he has with anybody he can help bring along with him. So I really think the pieces that they have, I mean, they finished 28th in total defense last year. I really don't, I don't see them finishing near there again. You know, I'm not saying they're going to be the 49ers right. or anything, you know, top five or anything, but I really do think it was a down year and they've done what they needed to do during this off season. I mean, again, in the draft too, with Tyree, um, you know, I, I, I really think Raiders fans should be optimistic. I understand it's training camp and everybody's winning the Super Bowl, Right. 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 <laughs> but, you know, give, give it, give them a, Give them a chance, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And like I said, I, I see it in training camp each and every day, and I'm like, okay, they're starting to turn the corner. This, that's, that looks like something that, that, that could be sustainable. But, of course, we've got to see it. It's be interesting to see what they do against the 49ers in joint practices. And, you know, you've been around training camps, and I know you're, you know, Cincinnati-bound, but how big are those joint practices, even more important than maybe oh. the preseason games? For sure, more important. I think now in 2023, the way we value preseason games is so different than they did maybe five years ago because you don't see the starters playing in those games, maybe a series or two or, you know, a, a, maybe a quarter. But because you in the you can kind of regulate it more right in the joint practices and and. Uh, you can really test where your guys are, because like you mentioned, they're growing against their defense or the the defense going against the offense, mm -hmm. right? You, you know what your team is doing, especially now we're into two weeks of training camp. You've seen these plays, you know what they're doing in the red zone. You know what they're doing in two minutes, two minutes. So it, it's kind of like not super fair, but when you're going up, up against another team, this is your chance to try some of these, you know, plays that figure out if, if you want to add them to your book for the season or figure out, you know, with this defense, not knowing what you're going to do, is it going to work or what do we need to adjust? Or is this guy actually good? Or is he just going up against his you know, teammate who maybe hasn't been doing well in training camp, you know? So I, I really do think this is a great measuring stick to figure out where every team is because those games, like you mentioned, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's not that competitive. Again, Bridget Condon from NFL Network is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I wanted to ask you about head coach Josh McDaniels. He's going into year two as the coach of the Silver and Black, and from what I've seen at the podium, it seems like he may be a little looser, maybe a little bit, you know, having yeah. a little bit more fun. How do you think his demeanor changes? How do you think he changes in year two with the Raiders? Yeah, you know, I actually noticed that too. I, I'm not around this team so much, but I did notice he was almost more open or I, I guess calm right in, mm -hmm. in talking and, and we have to remember this is training camp I think a lot of coaches are more willing to be open or friendlier when they're not you know coming into the office Monday morning and being asked why did you lose the game <laughs> right um but I think every coach you see right when you that first year you're trying to figure out where your office is right like you're trying to figure out how to 
you're still using the GPS to get to the facility. Like there are all those external factors that you're figuring out. You're working with a team. A lot of the guys aren't the ones that, you know, you would have drafted. Right. And, and now he has that first year of, okay, he's gotten some more players that, are his kind of guys and he's gotten comfortable. He's been in Vegas now for a little bit. He knows where his office is. He knows what, you know, they expect of him in this city. And so I think, I do think he's getting into, like you mentioned, like maybe more of a groove or more confidence. Um, It'll be interesting to see again, quarter of the season in, if he's still feeling that way or not, because right. pressure is going to come on. Look, they, there is a sense of urgency in Vegas for sure. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And and Raider Nation wants to win. I know Mark Davis wants to win. Dave Ziegler wants to win. Of course, head coach Josh McDaniels wants to win as well. And these players, right? I mean, Devontae Adams didn't didn't want to get traded to the oh. Raiders to go lose. <laughs> so, I mean, he wants to win games. And you ch- talked to Devontae. You guys talked about Josh Jacobs and how much they need him. He kind of sent a message I thought was great. Uh, and you pointed it out on Monday as well. Kind of talked to the organization and Josh at the same time. I love the fact that Devontae's in his corner, but then also understands the business. So it's almost like he's helping out Josh through this situation. Oh, yeah, for sure. He is, uh, you know, I can't say enough good things about Devontae Adams as a player, as a person, and as a leader. He's exactly, if I'm Dave Ziegler looking at that interview, you know, he's exactly what you want, right? Of course he is, he's going to stick up for his guy. Like, if he went on the on with us and said, you know, I'm mad at Josh. He should be there. You know, that's not what you want. Like this is a business and these guys all have to like team up, right. And support each other and understand, you know, we just talked about how I'm going to Cincinnati. And one of the stories there, of course, is Jonah Williams. And he requested that trade after uh, they signed Orlando Brown. And one of the things I'm I'm reading is his teammates like aren't mad at all that he signed, that he requested that trade. And now that he's there, they're still embracing him. And there's no bad blood. And it's like, that's kind of, that, that that's going to be the same thing if, and when Josh comes back into the locker room, right? You expect all of his teammates to understand this is a business at the end of the day. I think we forget that because for us, you know, it's fun to watch these games and get to know these players and essentially it's entertainment but it's so much more than that so I think what Devante said was was he was very well spoken in that he was careful with his words mm-hmm. but he was strong to let both Josh and the team know like figure it out right. I'm not too, like we got to figure this out we're, we're already two weeks into training camp Right, exactly. And I loved what you uh, what you said to him when you gave him the opportunity to go ahead and talk about the conversations on NFL Network. That's okay. <laughs> that was great. He he. Now he what do he say? He'll opt out of that. But uh, he said, yeah, he's <laughs> like, I appreciate the permission, but I'm going to opt out, which I understand. I right. Mean, this is that's what is it? His tenth year. I I get confused. Something I've like that. So many yeah, but, <laughs> but at that point in your career, you know, maybe like if you're a rookie or a second year, you might have gone off and said. But he knows, mm-hmm. like, look, he might be mad at the Raiders right now, but that's who's signing his check. And at the end of the day, he's got to be respectful to that. Right. So, I, again, like, I give him all the praise in the world for the way he handled that situation. And, you know, he's definitely in Josh's corner and hopefully, you know, finds a way to get him out on the field sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that's a situation that'll work itself out at some point. I think it'll be kind of Saquon Barkley-like in, in New York with the Giants. Yeah. I think he, you know, gets that one-year tag, 
gets a little bit of something on top, a little sugar, like I like to call it. And then, uh, you know, they worry about it after the season. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up with this, Bridget. I know you're uh, Cincinnati bound. The big story, one of the big stories there is Joe Burrow, when he's going to play, when he should play that calf. Obviously, they're a Super Bowl contender <laughs> as long as he's under center. It's so funny. I'm looking at their schedule, and I'm like, well, they got two division opponents to start the season. If he misses that, they could be in an 0-2 hole, right? But, I mean, you have to put Joe Burrow out there when he's 100% healthy, right? Yeah. um, You know, I do a lot of uh, Chargers, too. And was it – was it the hamstring or the calf? I'm trying to remember. Either either way, there was a situation with Keenan Allen last season. I remember that he kind of – maybe went out too early mm-hmm. and then that set him back even further. And we've seen this with, with the calf and the hamstring and these injuries that you don't require surgery or it's not an ACL tear, like something a little more, uh, you kind of need to lean on the player to tell you how they're feeling, right? Like no imaging or x-ray can really be certain. So I think that's a situation where you just want to make sure Joe Burrow doesn't rush back out there and it set him back even further. So if I'm the Bengals, why put him out there during training camp? You know, like Mm -hmm. he's a smart guy. He's working hard. He's not somebody that you need to make sure is getting his extra reps in there because you're worried about if he's studying or if he's going to be up to speed knowing the playbook. So when you open the season at Cleveland, and then I'm pretty sure they're at Baltimore. I'm not sure if we home or not. Yeah. I would wait as long as you can until and see where you're at week one. Um, you know, and if he's feeling 120% play him week one, you know, it's it stinks in the terms that they're playing two divisional opponents the first two weeks. But, you know, you think back to last year, what they started 0-2 right. and they ended up winning uh, the division. So I don't know. Uh, it's one of those things you got to be super careful. Right. But, we also don't know this is, you know, this is how these teams are. We don't know the severity. Yeah. Could it have been like a Charlie horse, which like I'm sure it wasn't. But you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we don't know if it's something very minor and they're like, okay, let's not even risk it. Or if it's something more severe and they're, you know, trying to to let us think it's not that severe. <laughs> right. You never really know what's going on behind closed doors, but hopefully they just, you know, give him all the time and extra time he needs well, and hopefully he's ready for week one. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, he's got to be protected all times. You can't, you know, you're a Super Bowl contender with him. You're definitely not without him. I mean, it's just that simple. So make sure he's way healthy before you put him out there on the field and set him up for failure. Well, Bridget, fantastic stuff as always. Definitely appreciate you. Great catching up with you at uh, at practice, you and Coach Shaw, and uh, a lot of fun. Uh, so, uh, yeah, have safe travels to Cincinnati and continue to enjoy your uh, camp tour as we lead into the regular season. Thank you. Hope to see you guys again soon. No doubt we will. Bridget Condon right there, NFL Network, at Bridget Condon underscore on Twitter. Definitely appreciate her time this afternoon. Very valuable time that she shares with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Appreciate all the guests that we have on the show. Again, they take time out of their day to join the show. They don't charge us money to come on the show. They come on to talk about Raider football, NFL action, whatever the case may be, and we definitely appreciate each and every one of them. If some person may not happen to be your cup of tea, that's okay, but we will not be disrespectful respectful at all to any guests that we have on the show and i'll leave it at that 418 is the time we'll come back get to your calls and your texts this is radio nation radio 920 now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy q broadcasting live from the finley cadillac performance studio
Many thanks to Bridget Condon again from NFL Network. Joined us in the last segment to talk all things Raiders training camp, where she was in attendance of with Coach David Shaw on Sunday, talking to people like Devontae Adams, talking to Max Crosby, talking to head coach Josh McDaniels. When us, the local media, were actually out of practice at that point, we're in the media session, she got a little bit of extra time and definitely appreciate her insight and everything that she brought to the table talking about what went down on Sunday at practice and not only uh, giving us the insight but doing it two days in a row as uh, she got interrupted on uh, Monday and followed up today. So definitely appreciate Bridget and look forward to having her on the show again in the near future. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920 being brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas, and they've been in business for nearly 50 years. And they've got everything you need, diamonds, jewelry, watches, everything. Anything you're trying to make a great impression with, they are the spot to go. They are the Jewelers of Las Vegas. is the number one jeweler in Vegas and has been forever winning award after award after award after award. Go check out my man Mordecai. Tell him Q sent you, and he'll get you hooked up like a tow truck, 702-382-1234, or even easier, go to thejewelers.com, and I guarantee you'll see what you need and you'll like what you see. It's as simple as that. We've been throwing the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. What position group are you most encouraged by and what position are you most concerned about? Of course, loving your feedback, uh, 702-365-9200 and 69187, keyword R&R. This one's from the 253. Most excited about the new wide receiver room with Jacoby and Trey as additions to Devontae and Hunter, as well as Mayer. And I'm most concerned about our linebacker group. Hope we add vet Jalen Smith. And, you know, Jalen Smith is a guy that our guy Jordan Schultz from the score who hit us up uh, or hits me up quite a bit with little information that he, he gets. He's been an NFL insider and an NBA insider for a very long time. Hit me up last week where we were at camp saying that the Raiders were, were working out Jalen Smith. And, man, every time I hear Jalen Smith, and it's funny, I was standing next to Vinny Bonsignor when I got that text from Jordan, and Vinny's a big Notre Dame fan, so all I could think of is Jalen Smith getting hurt in that bowl game while playing for Notre Dame and what could have been and what is now, and it's just so unfortunate, and that's how the game goes. That's why I never begrudge any player for trying to get as much money as possible because you could literally be one play away from your career never being the same. You might play like Jalen Smith did, but his career was never the same after he tore up his knee in that bowl game playing for Notre Dame. And so uh, as excited as it would be to have the name Jalen Smith, he's just not quite that guy at this stage in his career. Now, if they bring him in for depth, I would be fine with that, right? He's not going to be a guy that you just look at and say, okay, he's going to help turn things around in a major way for your, uh, you know, for your defense. But he is a guy, if push comes to shove, and I think they've done a lot of this. They bring a lot of guys in. And they've, you know, just worked them out to see where they're at just in case something happens. I mean, joint practices are coming up this week. Someone could get injured. Someone could go down. Just want to kind of kick the tires and see where these players are. So I don't think anything is, is even close. I think it's just kind of, like I said, seeing where Jalen Smith is at. But, man, that name is great. The game is just not where it, it would have been if he had never got injured at, at Notre Dame. And that really stinks for him, man. He was going to be a top-five pick, no doubt about it. He was that dude and never turned into being that dude. But thank you so much for that text. We do appreciate you. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, talk to our guy, Houston from L.A. Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind? Hey, hey, what's up, Big Q? Chilling, man. How's everybody, man? Y'all oh, fantastic. We are fantastic. <laughs> cool, cool. Hey, I was just thinking, man, about, like, teamwork because – I'm from South Central L.A., but I got my ball on in Valley, El Camino Real, which nice. is like a serious school, man. And so I play free safety. And you best believe, dude, like the dude that like I ended up raising real tough was Jamal Anderson, man. He ended up playing for Atlanta Falcons, Dirty mm-hmm. Burden and all that. Yep. And I used to like him up 
bro. All of my 140 pound body. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, bro. Hey, but okay. To be honest, I'm just saying all that because I like teamwork, dude. And, and uh, I'm loving the defensive backs, bro. Because you know I play free safety, so I'm yeah. not even caring about the wide receiver position. You know what I mean? It's all glamorous and all that stuff. But it's like I like the scrapes, man. The milks and the crannies. You know the the the, the gut work, the grind it out kind of. You know, chat. So I gotta respect the new DBs, man. What what they doing so far, man? It's looking beautiful. And uh, so, as far as a position, I'm still worried about, man. I'm still worried about the linebackers because mm-hmm. the offensive linemen, you know, they they they've done well. So I can't, you know, complain. Even though everybody was hating, talking about we were gonna be on the bottom thirties, we end up being on that top twelves. You know what I mean? So. That's really it, Q. Just, just, just the linebackers. It, you know, still makes me a little nervous. I got I you. Hey, great stuff, man. I'm with you. I, I said the same thing, right? I'm, I'm encouraged by the secondary, still concerned about the linebackers. And got an opportunity today to talk to Antonio Pierce, the linebacker coach. And so you'll probably hear that coming up tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to get all the sound in from uh, today, but that's okay. We have all week long to spread it out. And, of course, we have plenty going on this week with tomorrow being back at practice and then Thursday and Friday being joint practices with the 49ers. So excited about everything that we have and we're bringing to the table. That's going to uh, be a lot of fun. But, yeah, we'll hear from Antonio Pierce coming up on tomorrow. Tomorrow's show, uh, the secondary. Hey, look, I always say, man, DBs win games. So Houston from L.A., you know that I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I, I always say DBs win games, right? The baddest mofo on the field is a DB. <laughs> At least in my world, right? <laughs> Max Crosby might have something to say about that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. The linebackers might have something to say about that, but in my world, it's all about the DBs. That's, that's just what I say. But thank you for that call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. Got a text from the 209. What's up, Q? I'll be out there Friday night for the game Sunday since our defense is somewhat new with a few new faces. You think our ones will play preseason to get accumulated for the regular season? No. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to disappoint you, but no. I don't see any of the ones running on Sunday. I just don't, right? I mean, and that's normal. Even even when teams only have three preseason games, you just don't see any ones. Now, I know we were all surprised last year when Josh Jacobs ran in the Hall of Fame game, but for the most part, you know, maybe you'll see a guy like a Trayvon Merritt get a, you know, a, a, a series, maybe. I, I, I just, I don't, I, I'd be surprised if they were out there. I really would, especially with all the competition that they have. I, I just think that they've got to do the best that they can to get the guys that they believe are going to be spar- starters to the regular season. So I don't, I don't expect to see any of the, the starters, but you might see, like I said, you might see a Trayvon Merrick. You might see a Jacorian Bennett just because he's a rookie. Um, I, nobody that's a veteran, like a Marcus Peters won't be out there. Marcus Epps won't be out there. There's no reason to put those guys out there. You might see a little bit of Zamir White because he's a running back and, you know, he's not he's not the starter. Josh Jacobs is when he gets back. So that's, that's kind of what I expect to see, but – then again, I didn't expect to see Josh Jacobs running in the Hall of Fame game last year. So I guess I guess uh, only time will tell. But thanks for the text, and hopefully you have a really good time just being at the game on Sunday regardless. Uh, got a text from Mailman Raider Q. I'm also encouraged on the kick return and punt return. I think we finally got that elusive kick return for a touchdown, and I know you could appreciate that, LOL. Man, I've been calling for that thing forever. 
I thought last year, Arian, I know that you weren't in on every show last year, but I'm sure you probably remember me even talking about Amir Abdullah kept saying I felt like he was like one step away. And I, I told him, I asked him that specifically in the locker room after one game, or I think it was at the end of the season when they were doing the whole locker room clean out. We talked to Max for a long time, talked to Josh Jacobs for a while. Me and Vinny started talking to Amir Abdullah, and I was like, man, I swear that you were like one step away or one little block. And he's like, man, bro, you have no idea. Like, that's how close it was. One little block. And he said this, and I, I, this is why I asked the questions. He said it wasn't even on the block. It was on him. He didn't hit the hole when he was supposed to. Like, he's like, there was a couple times where the block was there, and I didn't hit it at the right time. Like, so the timing, it's just one of those things, man. When it's blocked up correctly, you've got to be able to boom, bing, hit it right away in that spot, and then you can go. Uh, I, I would love that. Mailman Raider, you're spot on. If – if the Raiders can get a kick return or a punt return touchdown today, or not today, obviously, but this year, that would be fantastic. It's been so long. Dwayne Harris was the last one that took back a, a, a punt return, and we all remember that play, right? That was that game in Oakland uh, where it looked like it was against Denver, right? Where it was get away, get away, get away, get away. Oh, my God, he just picked up the ball. What are you doing? Oh, my God, what are you doing? Oh, my God, he's about to – he's going down the side. Oh, my God, wait, hold on. It was one of those no, 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 yes, 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 run, run, run. Right? That's, that's how it went for a touchdown. And then Jacoby Ford. Yeah, that Jacoby Ford was the last kickoff return that they had for a touchdown. And that was many, many, many moons ago. So, yeah, when you, when you talk about it's time, they're due, they are well overdue. It's like that library book was supposed to be returned years ago and you still have it at the, at the crib. Yeah, it's overdue. They are overdue for a kick return and a punt return. I would love to see both happen this upcoming season. Uh, also got a text from uh, El Paso Raider. Yo, Q and Ari, what's good? I heard Mayer got hurt in practice. How serious? Also, what's up with Neil Farrell and his cryptic tweets? His ass needs to get on the field. I'm a little concerned for Ty, uh, Ty Wilson's development. Any update on him? Thanks for the coverage. Old, old G. McLean, my favorite, gets hands down. El Paso Raider. Uh, thanks so much for that. Appreciate you. And yeah, I was there when Mayer got a little dinged up. And I remember pointing him out to Vinny. I was like, yeah, because he was supposed to talk on Saturday to the media, and he didn't. And what happened is it just looked like he, you know, tweaked something a little bit. He was getting stretched out. I don't think it was anything serious at all. Uh, he was off on Sunday. They just they gave him that day off, I'm sure, to try to recover. But uh, once they started stretching him out, you could see that they were really, really working to stretch him out. He didn't, uh, he didn't return to practice. He didn't finish practice. So he got through about three-quarters of the way and then didn't come back. But, uh, again, I, f I feel like it was very minor, nothing to get too worked up about. Uh, Neil Farrell, it's funny that you had talked about his cryptic tweets. He had mentioned something about put in the work and uh, everything will, else will work itself out. So when I saw that, I thought that that meant that he was good and he was going to be back at practice. So that's why I think on Sunday it was when we talked to head coach Joshua Daniels, I asked him about – uh, in particular, I asked him about Tyree Wilson and also Neil Farrell because I thought that meant that Neil Farrell was coming back to practice that day. And that's what Coach McDaniel was like, yeah, they're still working through some things. You know, it's, you know, don't want to put a timeline on it, which he's, he's never going to do. But uh, they're working hard in the classroom, and they'll be out there when they're out there. But I thought by his tweet that meant that he was coming back soon. I haven't seen anything late, lately from him. I could check it out. But, I mean, it's I don't like to read too much into – athletes tweets and, and what they put out there because a lot of times like you said they're cryptic they mean something they could be talking about something totally different and people get worked up about it so I just I kind of like to to leave those alone but yeah um, we'll we'll you know if we talk to coach tomorrow we'll ask about Neil well we'll just ask about Tyree you know and and I know he gets tired of us asking about guys when they're going to come back but you know every every couple times that we talk to him we like to at least try to update that so thanks so much for that I do appreciate you 
Uh, let's see. Got uh, one more text. This one's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Happy Tuesday, gentlemen. Greetings from Reno. <laughs> I haven't had an empty hand during this birthday celebration. Just wanted to check in. I'm still bent over the Diaz defeat to the Paul brother. LOL. Also, the U.S. Women's um, World Cup team couldn't pull through. I think we all saw that coming, though. Anywho, I'm pumped for our Raiders, uh, our preseason game for San Francisco this weekend. What I'm looking for versus the Niners is our guys coming away healthy. I don't care about the final score, but injury is my main concern. Hoping for an injury-free game coming up. That's all for today. Back to the pool party. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. I could appreciate that. Ari, the more and more you get used to Sir Whiskey Ray, you will realize that what I say is gospel when I say Sir Whiskey Ray knows how to party. He ain't never found a party that he didn't like. I'm already knowing. <laughs> I trust every every text he sends pretty much as a, as a party within itself. So I see that. Yeah, I mean, he, he, absolutely, he absolutely does, man. He always – finds a party. And I'm not mad. He's living his best life, right? He's always checking in on the text line. I'm on my way to the bachelor party. I'm on my way to the pool party. I'm on my way to the birthday party. I'm on my way to insert party, right? I mean, it's always some kind of, if there's any kind of party. Oh, my friend's getting divorced. Party. <laughs> my friend's getting engaged. Party. My friend's having a baby. Party, right? I mean, it's just like no matter what it is, I think that I come up with good excuses to have parties. But my man, Sir Whiskey Ray, he, he tops them all. Hey, listen, like me and I ain't going to lie, Ari, me and the wife, we threw a margarita party at the house, right? We just said, hey, we need to, we need, the wife hasn't made some margaritas. Let's throw a party. Why? So we can make margaritas. All right, cool. So we come up with creativity, right? We do it as well. But Sir Whiskey Ray, he, he, he I mean, hell, he's got his name. Whiskey's in his name. Right. So there's that. Happy Tuesday. That's all it takes. It's Tuesday. We're partying. <laughs> Speaking Go. of Tuesdays, there is a spot that's near here, near my house, uh, over in GVR, where you can go get tacos and tequila uh, this afternoon. So I can't do that because I have radio this oh. later on, plus I'm responsible. But just want to throw it out there. So I, apparently Sir Whiskey Ray is not the only one that's partying on a Tuesday. I'm just saying. I might skip the uh, Aces game I'm about to you run. Eh, I might have to go nothing. over and get some tacos. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ari, can you make it? Uh, I'll try. No, the correct answer is no, man. you got to run the Aces game, Ari. Come on. Right, but you'll say, <laughs> but even yes. if I asked you, you would say, well, let me try. Maybe. True. However, the, the tequila is not really what's selling me. It's the tacos. So, F- whatever, food, Hey, whatever food, works. Um, Food, you're going to get me somewhere usually. Look, man, I love me some tacos. <laughs> oh, and if you throw some tequila on top of that, it's all good. There you go. I shouldn't have said that. Now I'm, now I'm going to get somehow roped into something. You said it. Yeah. There's food. Exactly. All you got to do is say, I'll try to make it. Let's <laughs> see what I can do. Yeah, I'll try to make it. Sir Whiskey Ray, uh, enjoy your party, man. Enjoy your time in Reno. We definitely appreciate you. Let's go ahead and uh, speaking of uh, trying to get it, how about we hear from Edgar Bennett, the wide receivers coach. Obviously, they've got a lot of talent in that room. A lot of talent in that room. Here's Edgar Bennett. We caught up with him earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and he starts off talking about Devontae Adams. With Devontae, it's, it's just it's a mindset. Um, you know, he takes care of his body. Um, he puts a lot of work into it. You always, I was always raised, my parents always taught me, what you put into it, you get out of it. And I kind of think you see that in Devontae as far as how he takes care of himself during the offseason, how he prepares in season with his preparation, um, getting ready to go play and play at a high level every single time. And uh, lastly, uh, Coach, do, you know, back to Trey Tucker, um, who looks real fast on tape. Do you think he's a guy that can, you know, vertically open the field up even more for guys like Devontae and Renfro? I, I think right now he's he's just 
studying our system and um, and trying to make the most of every opportunity. Um, would not really put any type of limitations on what he's capable of doing as long as he continues to go about it the way he's going about it right now as far as studying the playbook and improving every day. Thank you. I apologize if you've been asked this question about Trey, because I get this question a lot. What is he? Is he a long ball guy? I'm, it feels like he's a weapon. And so to get the ball into his hands and let him go do his things, I know that might be oversimplifying it, but it doesn't feel like there's a box there for him. Right, right. And that's, you know, that's, you know, when, when Coach and Dave, you know, drafted um, um, Trey, the mindset was a tough player, a smart player. Now get him into the building, and get him acclimated with what we do on offense um, from a scheme standpoint, as well as the fundamentals and techniques. And the kid has been, he's been great getting in here, studying his work ethic has been great, his attitude has been great. Um, he puts a lot into it, and, um, and, and so far he's off to a great start. You know, when you talk about like a sport like basketball, um, there's this thing where it's becoming a little bit more positionless, where guys can shoot, guys can handle the ball, guys can pass, guys can defend. And I look at the wide receivers, and I, I'm starting to think, is there, is, is there some similarities to that? Um, because slot wide receiver, Jacoby Myers is a slot wide receiver. So is Hunter Renfro. How are they going to coexist? Well, they obviously are coexisting. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be slotted into a particular right. position. You know, I'm a good coach, and they, they do a phenomenal job as far as the flexibility with our guys. Um, you know, they're versatile. You know, they can play in a lot of different spots, and I think um, that's something that our guys take pride on because it's about uh, when you learn the system and have an understanding from a formation standpoint, and then you study and understand the concept, and you can play in all three, um, in all three spots, or all four spots. Right, right. I was going to ask about some other guys. So what do uh, DeAndre Carter and Cam Sims bring to the two next? Um, two, two new guys coming into the um, building, um, two veteran guys who have some playing experience. Um, Carter, you know, obviously we've seen, um, what he's capable of doing playing. There you go with uh, Edgar Bennett right there, and uh, you heard him talking uh, with Vinny and also uh, Vic Tafer uh, talking about uh, Devontae Adams, talking about uh, DeAndre Carter, you know, just, just the competition, Cam Sims, talking about the competition in the wide receiver room, and it's thick, man. There's 11 wide receivers in there right now. Everyone's not going to make the squad, and it's going to be because somebody got beat out by somebody that's a little bit better. Really deep room. Uh, really excited to see what that competition looks like and how it shapes up. And, again, I've said it a million times. I'll say it a million more times probably before Friday and or probably before, well, even Thursday, the fact that, you know, we'll start to learn a lot about this Raiders offense going up against someone else, another opponent, and see how they operate when they're going up. Like, how does Trey Tucker look when he's going up against the 49ers defense? We know what he looks like right now going up against either a Hobbs or a Tyler Hall or, you know, someone else, insert whoever else they might be going up against. Uh, he doesn't really line up with Marcus Peters too often. Ja'Korian Bennett, maybe a couple times he's been lined up against him. But, again, we've seen a lot of Raider on Raider. Now we want to see what Raider versus Niner, then Raider versus Rams, then, you know, Raiders versus Cowboys, at least in the preseason game, and then get them ready for Denver week one. 442 is the time. We'll come back. Ari's got reason or excuse. We'll close out the show strong, as we always do. It's Radish Radio 920. It's time for reason or excuse on unnecessary roughness. All right, Q. Oh, this is ridiculous to me. We talked about this a little earlier with John McClain. Eric Bieniemy was given total control of the commander's offense, but some players are said to be struggling with his lofty standards and intensity. Ha! Right? Just, just to say it alone is, is hilarious. Just to 
read it. Uh, head coach Ron Rivera was asked about it. He said a number of players came to him about Bienemy. Uh Rivera said, Rivera, I'm sorry, said it has a lot to do with where the player is coming from. Guys, quote, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Some are not as much. Uh, keep in mind, the team has not eclipsed 500 since 2016-17 season. Right. So, uh, to me, like, maybe they're just not used to working hard. I don't know. But uh, players are struggling because of Biennemi's high standards and intensity. Reason or excuse? Um, It's an excuse as far as I'm concerned. I think that that's BS. I mean, let's just be 100% blunt about it. I'm fine with Eric Biennemi being tough on, his, on those players. He should be tough on those players. They should be able to handle it. But I understand... You know, the, the, the climate that we're in, and I understand that some players aren't treated like that, you know, in college. And some guys just kind of skirt by on what, you know, what they do. And as John McClain pointed out, they're not necessarily all rookies either. It could be some guys that are just, in the words that, uh, you know, always make me laugh, uh, guys that are used to doing things a certain way. That's how we always did it, right? I had a great conversation over the weekend or earlier this week. I think it was earlier this week. I believe it was on Monday where people always say that, well, you know, it's how we've always done it. And the challenge that was given to me was find out who actually said that. Who's the person who said, this is how we do it? Because I guarantee that person doesn't exist. One, they either are no longer there and haven't been there for a very long time, or you put in your head that this is how we've always done it because this is how you've always done it. Exactly. So, yeah, it's definitely an excuse. So I don't know why. I will say this. I'm not too sure why Ron Rivera felt like putting it out there to the media you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know yeah, if that messy. was a message he was trying to send to be enemy or maybe he was putting it out there. for. The, I don't know. That, to me, was the, the part of it that was confusing. That's why I asked John about it. I wasn't too sure why he put it out to the media. But uh, as far as those guys not being able to uh, accept the way that be enemy's coaching them hard, that's a 100% excuse. Yeah. And uh, they're off to a great start with the new owners. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, doing their thing. All right. Uh, over to Major League Baseball. This one, I I had to. Uh, I, I actually should have grabbed the sound, but if you uh, if you read a little bit this uh, this week, you saw Orioles play-by-play broadcaster Kevin Brown. He was reportedly removed from the MASN broadcast after he made a reference to Baltimore's lack of success against Tampa Bay Rays at Tropicana Field in previous years. Like all this dude did was to me it was. I listened a few times. He's just yeah. he's literally just. There's no tone. There's no attitude. There's no attack. He's just stating facts. Um, about basically how the Orioles had won as many games at Tropicana Field in 2023 as they had in the past three years. Uh, granted, that's that's tough to swallow, but it's it's factual, right? You know, you just you have to speak facts. Uh, there was a graphic again, no no tone, no attack, no nothing. Uh, they were pretty terrible. So and now he's being suspended. So was that just uh, unprofessional crossing a line? Apparently, resulting in the suspension. Would that be the reason or an excuse to I think suspend that, this guy? I think it's. A, I think it's an excuse. I think there's some something else going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Because as you mentioned it, I remember when this all this news broke last night about this situation. I was on ESPN with Emmett Golden, and I, I listened to it multiple times, and I'm like, wait, where did he go wrong? What did he say that was wrong? And look, I get, I get it. In this business. It is tough to say something now without making someone mad, right? You literally have to think about what you're saying. But what he said was nothing wrong with it. It was all factual. And on top of that, as you mentioned, they had a graphic. So they had someone put this together and show, hey, you know, at Balt- one time Baltimore was terrible and Tampa Bay owned them. And now all of a sudden Baltimore is playing some really good ball, which is all factual and true. So somebody had an axe to grind with this guy. 
somebody ha had some kind of reason in their mind to get rid of him or suspend him, and so that was the excuse to get it done. But that was really uh, that was piss poor as far as I'm concerned when it comes to what they are giving as an excuse on why they suspended dude because he did not say anything. You know, I always say don't don't kill the messenger, right? The message is there. The message is in black and white. You weren't very good against this team. They've dominated you. And, oh, by the way, Baltimore, don't mess up a good thing. You've got a great story going. You've been fantastic. Everyone's been giving you love because, well, you haven't been a very good team for a very long time. And all of a sudden you're having a hell of a season. Everyone's praising you, and you're trying to, like, pee on all the flames or, like my buddy used to say, <laughs> pee in my Cheerios. Yep. Right? It's like, why? Are you, what are you doing? First place in the American League East. Yeah. Right. They're having that's, a hell of a season. That's what we should be focused on. Exactly. Why would you go and mess it all up because you have an axe to grind with this dude and clearly somebody has an axe to grind with this dude. Yeah, that's what it felt like. I got to just quickly say the original time I saw it, the context was not clear on what had happened. I'm playing it and I'm waiting for him to drop like, you know, a curse word, F-bomb, right. something. <laughs> It took me a couple times. I so. thought he was going to say, like, a racial slur or something. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I was absolutely. like, there's got to be something coming. 100%. I was right there <laughs> with you, and I'm listening. Like, wait, let me run that back. Nothing, yeah, so. I listened to that about 10 to 15 times right? <laughs> and never heard anything that Did was I wrong. Miss something? What right. is it? So, yeah, exactly. Well, I guess we'll probably hear more about that, and I guess the truth shall uh, see the light. And you're right. There's something right. going on. Uh, one more. We'll knock this out. NBA, NBA, NBC announced that Thursday night's Browns-Jets preseason game averaged 6.3 million viewers, making it the most watched Hall of Fame game since 2018. And, I mean, I just, it's weird to me. Like, I know everyone's excited. They just need their football. Like, hook it yeah. to my veins. You guys are obsessed. I get it. But, like, I just don't understand. Is that, I mean, what's, I guess I'm just asking, like, is that just simply the reason, like, we're all just starving for any football we can get? No. Uh, who who played in the game? Nobody. Zach no, who, Wilson. Who are the teams that played? Exactly. Browns, Jets. And Jets I mean, I'll go right further. There. Zach Wilson. No, no. Mond. Jets. You said it. Jets. New no York. No Aaron Rodgers, though. It don't matter. The New York market, they're so excited about the Jets and what they think that they could do this year. They'll watch anything. I could walk I could walk down Broadway with a Jets jersey on and they'd be <laughs> like, man, did you see that player? Boy, he's looking good. Right? They are so hell-bent on the Jets being fantastic this year. And maybe they will be. And maybe they'll all be excited, but the Jets are the reason why. And not to mention, the other team in it was Cleveland. And where is the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Canton, Ohio. And they had a Cleveland Brown that was there in the Hall of Fame being inducted in Joe Thomas. So those are the reasons why that uh, Cleveland and, and, and uh, New York, those markets were so super amped. Uh, obviously, both teams have had players represented as well in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, yeah, that's, that's the reason why. All right. Yeah, Where's no, that? that was a good explanation. You, you got me on that one. That's what sure. I do. That's what I do. What's the national day of the day? Hit us real quick. Uh, sports, sports, sports. It is National Pickleball Day, everyone. Man, pickleball, <laughs> that's funny, man. Pickleball is so big now, and I remember playing pickleball back in PE when I was a new booty, man, when I was a youngster back in, like, 92, 93, mm -hmm. when I was still in high school, we played pickleball, and I just had fun at PE, thought it was cool. Now, all of a sudden, it's something that all these athletes are playing. LeBron's playing it. There's pickleball there's courts that you can go to all the time. Like it's a it's a big deal. Yeah, I never I never thought it was gonna be that big, but that's cool. Me neither. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, uh, sport, <laughs> sports are weird like that though. Like sports. How much pickleball did you play, Ari? None. But I'm just <laughs> <laughs> like that's even a question. No, but there's a lot of like others. There's other stuff. There's uh, some smaller sports organizations. We'll just call it. They, they're still able to be successful. There's like plenty to go around. It's right. amazing. So, uh, you know what to do. Take a picture. Hashtag it up. No, that actually says you should join a pickleball league. So that's how you could celebrate. Kim I think Myers, that would be fun. The athlete. 
You know, it's funny. My man Vegas Jess, I always talk about him. He's trying to get who? us to join a softball league in, in, during football season. I was like, who does that? You Vegas can't Jess. play. You can't play softball during football season. Do you realize that football season is busy? Come on, Vegas Jess. <laughs> it's Radio Nation Radio 920. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great one.